We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. If anybody was wondering, they're declaring that Zeke Elliott is ineligible just by alignment, although they can lateral him the ball. Final play, it looks like barring a penalty. Prescott over the middle of the turret. Gets smoked right away, and that'll do it. The 49ers back to the championship game. And that was the final play of the Dallas-San Francisco game last night. I don't know exactly what they were trying to do. Um, I don't know if they practiced it with an actual defense in front of Zeke Elliott snapping the ball to uh, to Dak Prescott, who threw it to Turpin. I, I don't know what the idea of that play was, but maybe Scott Van Pelt knows. Uh, he is with me to start the podcast right now, a podcast that is presented by Window Nation. Go to windownation.com or call them at 866-90-NATION. Use my name. You'll get a free estimate. Right now, it's buy two, get two free, plus 0% financing for five full years. Um, Scott's with me to uh, talk divisional round playoffs, and we'll talk Terps and Purdue yesterday uh, as well. Um, what did you think of that last effort by Dallas? It was hysterical. And here's the, here's the funny thing. You know, it, it, I, th- I think people are aware. I, I shouldn't presume this. But somewhere along the line, Steve and I just started joking around about this, that last play everyone runs. And, and we calling it pitchy, pitchy, woo-woo. Yeah, that's your thing. And Yeah, yeah but see, it's it, – it, it's part. It, you have a role in this. That if you recall, back in our true degenerate days, yeah. we would always fear. We'd fear the woo, like the woo or the woo woo. <laughs> we would call it, which was like the a pick. team. We would always have the dog. Yeah. They'd be covering, but then you'd fear that moment where they throw it out and the guy get the, the guy pick it and run the other way and be screaming woo woo woo. Like that was like somehow that was woo woo. Well, pitchy pitchy obviously just comes in with this ridiculous play, which I suppose is the only play that you could run um, if you were trying to, you know, miraculously pull something out of a rabbit out of a hat. And teams have some version of it. Why the why the Cowboys did it with Ezekiel Elliott at the center, who got absolutely trucked? I think it was by Fred Warner, and. I mean, the play just dissolved in comical fashion before they could even start doing the pitchy-pitchy or the screaming, the woo-woo-woo. And 
that's after Dalton Schultz is unable to catch the ball, which is after Dalton Schultz is unable to get out of bounds, which enables all the people that love to say Mike McCarthy sucks at game management and clock management to say all that, which I'm thinking, okay, it's maybe it isn't his strength, I would agree, but I mean, that's what we're going to complain about. I mean, there, you know, it seemed like Dak was the, the, the turnovers, and he put it on himself. I give him credit for that afterwards. Um, you know, a couple of turnovers they just kind of couldn't have. Uh, but to be fair, it's it's amazing when you think back. Dallas has got the exact same pick um, in the red zone where Purdy hits Diggs right in the hands, and he dropped it. Um, and that that would have been a, a, a yeah, that was off that, that was off a deflection, yeah, stuff. right. That would have been a red well, zone turnover. It went off of Barr's shoulder pad. Yeah, but it, it hit Diggs directly. It hit Diggs directly in his hand. It seemed like it changed direction for sure. But it changed direction when Warner picked it after Ward had it bounce off his hands and he caught it. So, I mean, look, it was a game where, where points were very difficult to come by, um, as they were all weekend. I think it was four unders, wasn't it? Four unders. Um, there was, yeah. It was, after five it, overs, physical one defense. under last week. Yeah. The one under exactly. was the four missed extra points. Yeah. Right. But, but I mean, Purdy's, the Purdy storyline continues. The San Francisco defense storyline continues. Um, the Shanahan coaching um, sort of, I don't know, I'd say brilliance continues. Uh, just and, and then Dallas is, you know, and what's the right word? I mean, the futility at this level, at, at this level of the playoffs continues. So there was just so much baked into that game. What was the first? I, I have a recollection of the first pitchy, pitchy, woo-woo game. And I'm wondering if it's the same as yours, because I think we were both on the wrong side of this. Ohio State, Northwestern. Well, I remember that one with Brett Musburger, and you use that um, all the time in bad beats. But I think there was one well before that. It was a, it was a Titans-Steelers game on the very final play of the game. I remember getting hurt very badly by, I think, a Steelers touchdown on a Tennessee attempt to pitch it around on the final play, and it ended up in a defensive touchdown. No, I, I don't No, I don't recall that. Doesn't, that. that doesn't I mean, ring a bell. I'll, I'll tell you this. In more recent years, Chiefs-Redskins on Monday Night Football in 2017 was a terrible beat. Um, that was yeah, a horrible I beat. Yeah, I followed it, and and it, and it was before the climate with gambling was such that we, you know, that it was kind of, uh, I mean, that, that, that talking about it as openly, I guess you should, you'd say, was, was something, you know, yeah. that, that everybody was a little skittish about on TV. Well, I came on, and I just said, oh, "That's a bad beat." Like, I mean, I, like that's a disaster. I mean, because yeah. that was, I remember well. They, they were then the Redskins. They get they went in there and they played well and. They're right there in the mix, and then last play of the game, that happened. You're like, oh boy! And it only happens if you're an underdog better, because if you have the favorite, it's not. You're, you would have been behind, beyond your ability to cover, almost certainly. Um, and so, yeah, those, those plays, those plays always seem to end with horrific consequences. Last night, that wasn't the case, um, unless you're Ezekiel Elliott and you're just sort of out there for the whole world to see getting thrown like a like a, a, a toddler. Just remember, for every bad beat, there's always a woo-woo winner as well. So somebody's on the the right side of all those bad beats. But, you know, um, and I think enough of the listeners know, 
you know, know uh, what and have been a big fan of yours as well for years. And I do, um, and I know that we've talked about this privately. I don't know how much we've talked about it, you know, on the podcast or on the radio show in previous years. But before it became okay to talk, you know, in detail about gambling and about the numbers, um, you were doing it. I mean, I was doing it on my radio show before, and, and, and understanding, by the way, that it was very niche. I mean, I felt it was because I could tell that a lot of people weren't interested in the same thing, but it didn't matter because it was interesting to me. Did you ever, in those early days of really pushing that, was there ever pushback from ESPN? Not really, because, I, I mean, I remember vividly sitting in the, the office of the executive at the time, who was my boss, uh, a man by the name of John Wildhack, and and saying, listen, we, we do this bad beach thing on the radio. I'm going to do it on TV. I said, you just got to trust me. Um, you know, it, it's gambling's not legal everywhere, but I just believe me when I say, you know, neither was neither was you know marijuana, but people got high. Um, so you just have to trust me that that this is some so it's and it's and here's the thing, it's content that's entertaining whether you have action or not. Uh, and that's proven to be the case. I mean, look, Bad Beats, by a factor of, I don't know what, but a lot, is the, the most popular, I think, segment we do, just in terms of things people yell out to me uh, if I'm walking around, right. or things that people send me. I mean, I, we get it's a never-ending stream of content we get sent with Bad Beats. Obviously, none of that was played into what happened yesterday, um, but the whole pitchy-pitchy woo-woo thing is it's just... I mean, literally, like, you know, uh, people on networks, Scott Hansen will always reference it, and he'll always reference it. He does, um, yeah. Which is just, it's just the whole thing. It's just, I mean, like, look, it's just a goofy thing we, we did, and it just. But you were doing it, long, but you were doing it long before you were even on TV doing it, because as you said, the pick sure. six for us was always, oh my God, here comes the woo woo. Um, and that was the pick six when we had the dog and the only way you could lose, I mean, you just wanted that favorite to pick up that first down so they could kneel out the clock, but instead they punted and then there we are with the ball and we're, we're throwing out patterns, um, which, you know, only bad things. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but so when that, when you had, when you mentioned it to that guy, he just went with it. He, he said, fine, go for it. And it, it, to be honest, Kevin, I don't. I don't think that he necessarily knew what I meant or, or, or envisioned what it was, but to their to their credit, when our show started, the whole thing was, well, look, if we're going to let you do something different, then just, fine, just do it. It, it was his, I, I, and I'm not, I, again, I remember him saying, like, you know, don't treat it, don't, you know, he said, treat it like you're, you know, on the 405 or like, you know, like you, you've got lots of lanes here, you know, I want you to, I don't want you to stay in the center lane. Like, and if it was, if they really had issues with the content, and then somebody would have, you know, reeled me in or something. But um, I mean, at this point, it's sort of, you know, here we are. Everybody knows uh, the lexicon. And by the way, I didn't. In- I-, I hardly invented this, and I never claim that I did. Uh, I- I- the concept of bad beats. If you bad people knew what they were, it was. It was just we we did it in a way. The presentation was obviously just something that was more of a mainstream thing than than had really been done as. You know, as as directly, I guess. But again, like none of, none of this, there was none of that happened yesterday or Saturday. 
Well, I think you also introduce things like first half totals to people who never knew they existed. You know, it's like some of the bad beats are like, all right, it's a second half. The total's 35 and a half. And people are like, well, what, what does that even mean? And so you, you, you provided yeah. a public service as well. Kind of. I mean, I th- we try. I mean, I- I'd rather do a little bit. Like, I mean, we haven't done many of these sort of like player props, you know? Because I mean, you'll get I, I get them every right. like every day. Here's some parlay, right. like a like an eight leg three dollar to win six billion dollar parlay, and you you know you didn't get the, the over in the third period goals for the Winnipeg game. I'm like, look, this is. I'm sorry it happened, but trying to explain this to people in a way that you can follow. I, I'm, I'm, I can't help you. Uh, yeah, but we you try to mostly just deal in, you know, you had Northwestern plus seven and a half against Ohio State, and you were supposed to cover, and then all this stuff happened, and, you know, Bosa lands on it, and Brent Musburger saying, you know, some people are cheering, and other people are saying, you got to be kidding me. And I'm like, yep, Uncle Brent, I'm right there with you, buddy. Yeah. Yeah, that, that one, and the UCLA-Stanford one. God, that was painful. Um, uh, by the way, I, I think I was talking about this recently, and I, if, I forget with whom. It could have been Cooley or Tommy. But I think for me, the first broadcaster to really inject gambling discussion was Brent. Do you agree with me on that or not? Or was for it? Sure. But Al Michaels also, you know, was doing it for a long period of time. Yeah, I think so, but but I mean, look, Musburger has explained after the fact that the yeah, that famous should. NFL Today call "You Are Looking Live" was mostly if if you're a gambler and there's a bad weather scenario, you know, and you you're one. Hey, I wonder what's you know. For instance, look at the Buffalo game. If you didn't know it was snowing, and and now in 2023 you have an app and you have a million ways to know, but in 1978. If you're turning on the game and it's like there's bad weather in Chicago and Musburger hits you with the you are looking live, well, that's information that might be useful to, to somebody that's interested in things like that. So for certain, Brent was, um, I think, the uh, a pioneer in that in that sense, uh, or at least you know, I mean, there might have been people before that, but I just wasn't old enough to know. I wonder if Brent had anything to do with Jimmy the Greek being the first you know odds maker slash tout to be on TV. I wonder if he had anything to I do with it. I'd have to connect it. I mean, I'm connecting dots, yeah. making presumptions, but I mean, given Brent's, you know, uh, he wasn't afraid, sure, you'd have, I, mean, I could imagine that, you know, it, it, I could imagine a conversation where he said to, to folks, hey, you know, did we have an odds maker, here's the Greek, but again, I, I was a yes. kid, I don't, I don't know the yeah, history yeah, yeah. of Greek, so how and then we And then we saw Pete Axtelm and Danny Sheridan, and you know, they all sure. started putting him on. By the way, on the prop bet thing, I think it's because I I'm I look at prop bets every once in a while, but I'm just not as interested in prop bets. I don't think you are either, I th- right? I think no, and I think that that I think what that speaks to is a a, a different market. I think it's I think it's may, I mean maybe I'm totally wrong, but it feels like maybe a more of a younger market where there there are just a zillion more options and, and ways to connect things together. Where you're you're rooting for it's it's a similar kind of a thing. I, I think you and I are more just sort of old school. We want to be right. We love the the idea of of do you handicap a game correctly, um, and it's 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 more game related than it is, you know, connecting if 
Jamar Chase is the first to score a touchdown and Dalton Schultz is the first to score a touchdown. And, I mean, again, you see it on Twitter all the time. It can be lucrative if you do it well, but it, that, I don't know. I just I just lay the uh, yeah. points, take the points. That's, that's, that's our lane. Always has <laughs> yeah. And let me just tell you that the, those that are accepting and lining up all those prop bets, they're not doing it because they're losing. Um, it's called profit margin in most places. Um, by the way, I, yeah. I, I didn't. we didn't talk over the weekend. Who, who was your pro pick this weekend i had uh as far as i think it's the first losing week i've had in like i don't even know multiple months i was on uh philadelphia on saturday night and uh yesterday went over had buffalo and uh i like dallas to stay close and they were pushing there until the end and uh so it went one and two on the games that we gave out in winners uh, two and one for me on the smell test. Philly um, lost on Buffalo, right. but had the Buffalo Cincinnati under. And you know what's really strange about that? I knew that there was going to be some weather, but it looked more like, you know, rain showers, snow showers, but nothing overly significant. That ended up being one of the better snow games we've seen in a long time because it hit right at the beginning and it snowed hard throughout. But I would have probably backed off the under bet. Because these snow games typically, especially without wind, usually end up generating a lot of points because the defense is is literally on skates and it's advantage offense. Anyway, getting back to moving on from gambling, um, that last play yeah. when it happened, like I'm sitting there and I just said, that's the kind of play that we've got a really good idea and Zeke is going to snap it. It may have been Tony Pollard that was supposed to do it because you don't want more speed on the field anyway on that last play. So maybe it was Tony Pollard who was supposed to do it. And he's going to be, you know, we're going to throw it to Turpin on, on the quick and he's going to pitch it and then we've got other guys blocking and then we can get to the outside, whatever it was. But they, did, they didn't actually practice it all week or for the last couple of weeks with a defense where they realized that because he's now your center, he's going to get knocked on his ass right after the snap. It's like they didn't plan on that necessarily. I just thought the whole last drive. Look, I want to start with that game and and looking at the four divisional games. Um, I kind of like Dallas too. I didn't give them out and because uh, you know some of our friends had suggested that there was big time sharp action on San Francisco, especially late in the week. So I backed off that game, but I did like Dallas going into that game. I thought they had a chance. I just I, I still wasn't necessarily a believer in Purdy, and I thought Prescott may have gotten through whatever he was suffering from end of the season on Monday night against Tampa. But that loss is solely on Dak Prescott. He was terrible in that football game. He's lucky he wasn't picked off four or five times in that game. The PFF turnover-worthy stat is going to have him for four to five turnover-worthy plays, maybe more in that game. Yeah, they, I mean, Greenlaw, Greenlaw could have had a pick six there in the end, which would have, I mean, it would have symbolically, and, and I mean, would have changed the margin to made it, you know, a, 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 a deficit too big to overcome. And it also just would have been just a glaring exclamation point on, oh, it was a bad day, dropped it. But, I mean, look, I give Dak a ton of credit for just eating it and owning it afterwards. He's like, this he always does. He's a great dude. No, I, 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 but I, I agree. But it, it, it's, it's, I mean, look, it just, it just continues this run of utility. Um, you know, this team that we talk about endlessly, and there are a million reasons why. They're incredibly popular. They have an owner who um, is drawn to the lights of the camera like a moth to a flame. So he's always going to give you content. 
Um, and so they're popular and they're, you know, this, this massive story all the time, but it's their story, but this is their story. This is where it ends. And, year after year after year. And so, hooray, you beat a Tampa Bay team that was mostly really bad all year long. Uh, and then you ran into a team that was really good mostly all year long in San Francisco, and you battled. You know, it's not like you, it's not like you were outclassed by any means. Not, of course, they're right there. Um, but Dak in, in, on this stage wasn't good enough. And so then, so okay, so what's that mean? So we're going to do the so that well, Dak, they have to move on. No, you can't move on. Well, you can't I mean, move on from him in that contract. No, of course, of course you can't. So this is your quarterback. So um, it's hard to win in this league, and you've got a really good defense. You've got some playmakers. Losing Pollard, I think, was was crippling to them. They they have two different. They have two real difference makers on that on that uh, offense. Uh, Pollard and Lamb. Lamb's really and, become that. Uh, he really has. Yeah, he's he's very good. He's much better than I thought he would be. But Pollard too. How many times? How oh, many I know. Times did Zeke after Pollard went out? Was there a crease where you think Pollard gets fifteen because he gets into the secondary, and, and Zeke just doesn't have that same burst that he that he once had? So he gets the first down, but that's where it ends. And so that that limited them some, but. Um, I mean, they remain the same exact story that they always uh, have been in these in this this run of championship futility. They just can't get to that next step, uh, that next step. Um, meanwhile, San Francisco, this is three and three times in four years they've been in the NFC Championship game, um, and they got there this year with okay, we're going to transition to Trey Lance. Ooh, okay, and now it's Garoppolo. Ooh, okay, now it's Purdy, and they still are here, which is a credit to everything else around. And it's a credit to Purdy. I mean, McCaffrey was all with me, and he's like, this is a confident dude. And everyone talks about that. There's a, there's a confidence in this young man. Um, and it would appear to me, I asked Tim Hasselbeck on the show, I'm like, is this his team? I mean, I, they, they, they were going to move to Lance. They kept Garoppolo around. This, he's 8-0. I mean, are we just going to move forward with the presumption that Brock Purdy is a San Francisco 49ers quarterback? I'm asking you that. Um, I, I have no idea, and I think next, I think this coming Sunday, and and perhaps two Sundays following, will have a lot to to do with that. But you know, I, I was watching um, Matt Hasselbeck on your network uh, last weekend, and he said he said I, I he he went back to training camp when he was in the 49ers training camp for whatever reason. And he said people were raving about Brock Purdy. Purdy, And he's like, yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever. He's a seventh-round pick. And he's like, but now, you know, during the course of the year as he started to play, I thought back on that. Apparently Brian Greasy, who they hired to be the quarterback's coach and who's obviously almost family to the Shanahans, um, was the guy that said you got to draft this kid. Uh, I mean, at least that's the story I've heard. And Matt Hasselbeck said they were raving about him in training camp. Look, every once in a while, these guys will end up being, you know, NFL quarterbacks. I mean, Tom Brady. I have no idea what Brock Purdy is. I think he's played really well and he's looked the part. But I also think there's maybe like two or three guys that could make him look that way this young. And Kyle Shanahan's one of them. And if you think you're going to go out like a lot of our fans do, like a lot of our listeners right now think and like, well, Sam Howell could be Brock Purdy. Sam Howell might be Jalen Hurts. Um, Yeah, but you don't have Kyle (laughs) Shanahan. You know, you don't have an organization that built basically the best roster around Purdy in the NFL. I don't even think that's debatable. They've got, you know, although Philly's close, you know, around Jalen Hurts. I was getting ready to say say that that, that's what makes them so interesting because there are a lot of people that feel like 
Roseman and the Eagle organization has has cra- has created uh, a roster that's that's every bit as good, maybe better, which is what makes uh, you know the, Sunday and the link. Yeah, these are the two great. best teams in the NFC. I don't think there's any doubt about it that these are the two best all around teams. And I think a lot of people will look at well, Hertz was a second round pick, and Purdy was Mister Irrelevant, and we can do that. Well, more times than not, you're going to end up being you know what what the uh, what the what the Houston Texans were with those great defenses with you know with JJ Watt and Jadavian Clowney, and they had you know Tom Savage at quarterback or or Brock Osweiler at quarterback until they got Deshaun Watson, or you're going to be um, you're going to be the Titans where you can win a bunch of games. But, you know, Tannehill's just not good enough. Or you're going to be Buffalo or or Denver there for a few years where they had great defenses and decent running games, but they didn't. That's that's what will likely happen if you start thinking about, oh, let's get the rookie contract deal. Everybody's all over that and have been for a couple of years now. I think that's even a harder inside straight than just continuing to swing big and hope you land. But whatever, that's that's a debate. Yeah. No, all, all of that's all that's true. But just you, you look at what surrounds Purdy. Yeah. Um, I mean, the credit the credit belongs to him for for stepping in and not flinching, not blinking. Uh, but obviously, what they have in terms of difference makers on offense and a, an absolutely hellacious defense. Um, you know, you're you're set up so that you could absorb the kind of losses they've had at the quarterback position. Maybe uniquely so. You know that you could lose your first and your second quarterback and just keep on trucking. By the way, uh, one more thing, two more things on the San Francisco Dallas game. So Dak was awful. Okay, and I, as far as what's next, well, it's not Dak. You know, the discussion will be about McCarthy. My personal opinion, just taking a a guess at this, is Kellen Moore ends up being the scapegoat for all of this. That somehow they move on from Kellen Moore, unless Sean Payton wants wants the job and wants to deal with Jerry as a head coach, um, then maybe they'll move on from McCarthy. Um, but the other thing about I, this, I just what I, I mean, I just it's hard to win, man. Like, and, and I I understand the way that people consume the stuff, and on Twitter, everyone's just saying, "Oh, they're supposed to go for it." and his clock management. I, I get it. His quarterback threw it to the wrong team a lot, man. Like it, ultimately, the problem. You, you, can you be more buttoned up? Sure. San Francisco shouldn't run the ball out of bounds there late either. And and Mitchell steps out of bounds, which which gives Dallas the forty five seconds that ultimately turned into comic comedy. Well, that was a, that was a first down Dallas. run, though. That was a first down run. I understand yeah. that, but if he slides down inbound, yeah. they get the ball back it, with 10 it, seconds. It was a left. hard slide down, but but I looked at it several times, and you're right. He could have, after getting the first down, he could have I'm turned it back saying, field. I'm just saying. Yeah. That the, I know. If, you're, if, you're, if you watch the games actively with people on Twitter who are all well, experts in clock management, it becomes a little bit exhausting for me. Uh, I, I'm critical of it, but I also recognize that this doesn't happen on a couch in, in a screen. This is happening in real time, and there's a lot to process. And there's some people that are great at it, and there are other people that aren't. Um, and so if Dallas, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not married to McCarthy. I'm just saying that, that the criticisms of him, uh, I, I just find interesting when there's so many more pressing matters. I would say right there in front of you on the field, uh, no, most notably with your quarterback. 
you know, the funny. Go ahead. Yes, I'm not. No, well, the, um, real quickly. So this is several years ago, probably ten or uh, nine or ten years ago. Kyle was on the show, and I actually did my clock management constructive criticism thing. Seminar, and he did not take it well at all. And he was wrong. I know I was right, but anyway, Kyle. Kyle was. Um, I love Kyle because I think he's brilliant, but he was not as easy to deal with as Mike was. It was two different personalities. Um, I don't think Kyle's ever been wrong, just ask him. Um, With that said, what I was going to say is um, that one of my favorite – Dallas's last drive was an utter disaster. I don't know what Prescott was doing in the end zone. Why didn't they tackle him for safety? And then Schultz not understanding forward progress and then not getting both feet down, et cetera, et cetera. Also, the punt team coming out, I absolutely would have punted the ball there, guys. It's fourth and ten. If you don't pick it up, it's game over. You've got three timeouts left. I just would have shuttled the punt punt team out there a little bit sooner, but they did get the benefit of of a play at least before the two-minute warning. But here's where Kyle's uh, was great. With 2.05 to go, he threw the ball because there's no downside to throwing it. So I love that play for 16 yards. And then everybody, including Greg Olson, is saying before they punted it away um, at the Dallas 43-yard line, they'll let it get down to one second and they'll call a timeout. And for whatever reason, and this has been a pet peeve of mine for for a while now, I'm like, hey, you know, usually – it's better to let the last second tick off and take the five yard penalty. Why do you, everybody's so anxious to call the timeout with one second left? It's like this thing that we see it on TV all the time. So that's what we're supposed to do. Not Kyle. He took the five yard penalty because the extra second, who knows? I mean, that could have been the difference between one final snap um, and game over. But anyway, um, I don't know what'll happen with the Cowboys. I do know this. I, I do like Dak Prescott, like just like you said, took it, always does. Total class act. But you know what? The truth is, I haven't felt this about him in a while. He's not a top ten quarterback. He's a good quarterback, but he's not an elevate everybody around you quarterback. He's in that same group where my guy is, you know, Kirk Cousins. You've got to be really, really good, and everything's got to be buttoned up around him, um, I think, to really win. That that defense that Dallas had was a championship defense, and I thought they played great yesterday. Um, all right. They did. What was the most imp- – what was the thing you were most impressed with this weekend, and then what was the thing that you were least impressed with this weekend? Cincinnati. Um and by proxy, I think I'm mo- maybe I'm most impressed with Baltimore's defense last week. I mean, how good were they? Incredible. And, and, and they're a yard away from playing this week. My God, that was just what an ending that was. Uh, Cincinnati goes into Buffalo, and you have DeMar Hamlin in the building. You have the Bills Mafia out of its mind. It's a snow globe game. And for whatever the sort of hyperbole that surrounds Joe Burrow and Joe Cool and all these nicknames and all this sort of however people want to talk about him. He's every bit of it, man. They get the football and three minutes and 20 seconds right down the field in the snow at 7 nothing. Six plays. And yeah, they so never impressive. Trail. Yeah. They, they, they never trail. They get it back, boom, right back down the field, 14 and nothing, game one. And that defense is excellent and they hold Buffalo to 10 and they're just everything about who they are. And, and I do think that there's certain franchises, and, and the Browns, if they ever get there, will probably deal with it. That there's, 
and I mean, that's not an, actually that's not a good comparison because the Bengals do have the history of, of you know with Boomer they've been to some Super Bowls and whatever. But I I think I think that they were bad enough for long enough, or they just they couldn't get over the hump with Dalton right. That there's just sort of a yeah but like ah yeah the Cincinnati they're not they're not they're just they're, I think there was a they, they're not the Steelers right does that make sense yeah in their yeah, own division no, they weren't them right. they're, not, they're not the Ravens they're just there's just something about the Bengals that you just want a yeah but. And did that change last year? I think it did to a degree, but I still think I'm not. Look, I picked Buffalo uh, in that game, and I couldn't have been more wrong. And so, what most impressed me was how much better than Buffalo they were in that game. They dominated that football game um, on both lines of scrimmage with an O line that was in flux. Um, Burrow's everything that people say he is and has been since that that last year at LSU when he rewrote record books. So. I mean, you know, Philly was really good, but they were against the Giants team that I think probably looked better than they actually were because they played Minnesota. Their defense, sorry, no disrespect, Kevin. Um, but for me, it's that that's that's the, the Bengals and what they did against Buffalo most impressed me. But, I, I think that that's probably my answer. I've, I, I've got a couple of others, and you can add to it. But I think what you said about Cincinnati, that game was a line of scrimmage game. Joe Burrow was great, no doubt about it. And they may have – well, they do have, I think – the best receiving core with the best receiver probably in the game. I don't know. It's close between Chase and Hill and Jefferson and Adams. That would be my top four, by the way, and then we can talk about the next group with A.J. Brown and a few others. Um, But they dominated. The reason I loved Buffalo is because I thought Baltimore beat the shit out of Cincinnati. And I thought that Cincinnati was going to come in banged up after barely surviving. Bottom line is, I mean, they needed a 98-yard fumble return to beat Baltimore. They wouldn't have been playing yesterday uh, because I think the Ravens would have won that game had they not turned it over there. Um, But they just absolutely dominated a really good Buffalo defense at the line of scrimmage. I mean, Mixon, every run was a big run. Every play was a chunk play. Um, and then on the other side, they Buffalo was completely out scheme. They didn't know where the pressure was coming from. They couldn't run the football. Cincinnati was super impressive. I was most surprised by that result. But I thought Mahomes on one ankle in the second half was really spectacular. And the numbers won't prove it, and they only scored 10 points, but there were a few plays where he ducked pressure and he extended essentially on one leg or one ankle, and he made a throw. He actually scrambled for a first down where he was about to get hit in uh, on his bad ankle, and he elevated that ankle away from the hit and kind of hopped in a way where he was able to get down and avoid. He is such a an incredible athlete. He's a great football player, and he's a great quarterback, but you can just tell the, the true all-around athletes, and he's the best. He's the best. I, I Those high ankle sprains, and you and I played a lot of basketball as, as young people, as adults. There's High ankle sprains are the worst, and they're usually not the worst the day of. They're worse as they go along, although the report on him was good. I hope he's healthy, but even if he isn't, I still give Kansas City a chance, even though that line, my God, I was expecting them to be a solid three-point favorite. What were you expecting? Yeah, it was, I mean, we always uh, we always do this, yeah. as do many people that, that you know, that dabble. I think you kind of speculate what I think the number will be. Uh, yeah, but the way Cincinnati looked 
when they were catching what five and a half or five in, in Buffalo and the way they looked and with Mahomes' ankle situation, I thought it could have been the kind of thing where it was maybe maybe a tick under three, but three just felt like an easy way to put you know just, just right. put it there and then we'll let the public decide which way they want to go, right? Well, no, it wasn't close to that. I mean, it, it to me it speaks to two things: the, the, the question and the concern if you're a book of what well, is you know is can Mahomes go? Sure, it's easy for him to say oh, I'm good to go. Well, okay. That's what you're going to say, but how, how how well will you be feeling come next Sunday? And then also what Cincinnati's done. Not not, not to, to mention the fact that Cincinnati played them last year in Cincy and beat them, went to Arrowhead and beat them, played them in Cincy again this year and beat them. And at this point, you know, there are very few people that have that kind of um, historical success that they can lean into and the Bengals can. So I think all that is probably cooked into that number. But I, I thought it, I thought it would be two and a half, three, something like that. Yeah, that's um, what I thought. And it's not. Uh, yeah. I mean, but look, both lines to, to me are, are, are really fascinating because it, these, are, these are the four teams that I, I think have pretty much demonstrated that they're the best. Um, certainly, if Cincinnati wasn't on that list before this weekend, what they just did in Buffalo puts them on that list. Um, so... I mean, but I'm just, just to echo what you said on Mahomes. I think he's the person who, when I watch him, um, it's interesting. Like, I, I, I almost, I don't feel like it's a quarterback. I feel like it's a, it's something altogether different because what he does is, I mean, the on, the on schedule throws and the deep balls and all the stuff, sure. But it's the rest of it. It's, it's the, it's the broken. That's where he's absolutely lethal. Play breaks down, and now it's time to ad lib. And there's just no one like him because his ability to, Im- to improvise, and 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 it's it's everything. It's athletic. It's it's a football IQ. It's an innate feel. It's just all. It's everything on a list of intangibles that if you check some of them, great. But it feels like he checks all of them. Um, it, just watching him do stuff. It. I, I would. I'm so glad. That I don't root for a team with like the Chargers, the Broncos, or the Raiders, where you'd have to play that guy two times a year because I think it would drive me insane. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I mean it would have been like being in the AFC field. South with Peyton all those years, or the AFC East with Brady. I mean, it's just like you just chalk it up. You're going to lose those games. You got no chance. No, but I, I know. But yeah. Mahomes has that. No, I know. He has that, that whole different thing mm-hmm. because where he murders you is it's third and eight, and you're going to sack him. No, you're not. Oh, he just. He just ran for twenty. Awesome, first and ten. I mean, it never ends with that dude. And, and you know, on one ankle, there he is, uh, willing them to uh, to something to get by. Uh, you know, a, 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 a Jaguar team that was impressed with their ability to uh, so impressed you know, with them to, to get some junk plays. Where they two have. two awesome uh, coach teams too. Um, both of them. I mean, you know, I if, if Agnew doesn't fumble on that catch down at the four yard line, five yard line, I think Jacksonville's got a legit chance to win that game if they punch it in to be twenty seven twenty four. Doesn't get Agnew on that on that on that long kick return. I know uh, he did a good job to get him on the ground. Yeah, um, yeah. there were some really good I mean, kickoff returns. All uh, Agnew's been really good. Yes, Turpin's been really good, and there were a couple like the Turpin return. I thought if he cuts it to the outside, he's gone. I haven't looked at it on the all twenty two. I agree. It looked like he ran into the. 
kicker. It looked like he ran into someone's back. I don't understand what that was about. Yeah. But, I mean, easy for me to say. Again, I'm, it, it, the game's not played from my couch and a screen. Same thing as the people that are arguing you know, about clock management. So. Um, I do that all the time. Uh, Pacheco also, to me, he's been impressive all year. And I would just reiterate what I've said in the past. You really don't ever want to use a first-round pick on a running back. Pacheco, seventh round out of Rutgers. God, he reminds me of, like, if Debo was just a running back, um, the, the, the way, how hard and how urgently he runs and how physically he runs. And, you know, I, I said this on radio and people said, well, Josh Jacobs was the leading rusher in the league. He was a first-round pick. And, you know, Nick Chubb and Saquon Barkley. Okay, whatever. Derrick Henry was second round. You, you see it all the time. I, I just – Pacheco's outstanding. And, and I, I don't know, like I kind of on, on first blush – Kind of like Kansas City. Um, what was the what was the thing that was least impressive, or you were most disappointed by this weekend? One second here, just before I'll answer that in a moment. I just as you're talking about all this, I was thinking about Andy Reid, who got to 20 wins, and you know that was pointed out. And I thought, man, you know, that's that's awesome. A lot of that has to do with there's more rounds now, it gives you more chances to win. Which is not to say he hasn't been great; he has. But his record in the playoffs is 20 and 16. Mm-hmm. You know what? You know what Coach Joe's was. Oh, it's it's phenomenal. Seventeen and seven. Seventeen and seven. Yeah, right. Seventeen and seven. Yeah. Just makes you just makes you realize for uh, the old the old heads out there that, that are listening are just well, nodding their heads for the, for the younger Co- folks. Yeah, Coach for the younger Joe. Folks just know that we were really lucky. We were really lucky because we had Coach Joe and that guy. He schemed it up, brother, and he he was so good. I'm just pulling this up because I did this recently um, because I want to see. I think Gibbs uh, and Landry have the most road playoff wins um, of any coach of all time, of any of the coaches of all time. I just remember going to Philly after the body bag. It's one of my favorite games sending, of all time. Sending Buddy on his way. Going to Chicago and Soldier Field, Daryl Green, a punt return. That was a big one. I mean, even winning, you know, in his second go round, they went to Tampa in the second year and won that game. Um, no, he he, uh, yeah, the uh, the the Chicago, the the Philly, the Philly game for me in 1990. You know, a month and a half, two months after the body bag game is. The single most satisfying revenge game in franchise history. I did, I've done that segment before on the show. Now, 40 years ago Sunday, believe it or not, was the NFC Championship game. And by the way, I had Dexter Manley on the podcast Friday. If anybody missed that, go back and listen to it. Dexter is such a treasure, and he was great. Uh, and I had Joe Theismann on. Uh, radio. I had Doc on radio talking about what I believe to be the single most memorable game in franchise history 40, 40 effing years ago. Anyway, um, so, okay, Coach Joe, we got most it. Dis- most Mo- disappointing? Yes. I mean, I, I suppose it would be, uh, I suppose it would, I mean, I guess I guess just Buffalo, Buffalo's sort of yeah, that's in, inability to, to in, inability to keep up, and I mean, um, I have, which I, which I think a lot of people probably do. Um, I, I really like, I like watching Josh Allen. He's not, he's not a perfect quarterback and he makes mistakes. I think he led the league in picks this year. Um, but there, it's a fun offense to watch. I feel like Sean McDermott and the way he handled the entire DeMar Hamlin situation and, and was a true leader. Um, I, I think that was remarkable. Something I won't forget. Uh, just the, the 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 steady hand that he seemed to lead a group of men with uh, was remarkable to me, uh, and 
I love snow games. I think the Bills fan base is uh, one of one. <laughs> They're just wired different. And I just, I guess, I wasn't rooting for them to win. Uh, I just was rooting for the game to be as good as the as the stage seemed to be. Does that make sense? And it just wasn't. And it wasn't because Cincinnati was that good. So that was, you know, that was the one game that felt like it could be a true back and forth. And um, you know, seeing it play out the way it did, it makes me think of that Monday night game where. You know, Cincinnati scored. Buffalo got a field goal. Cincinnati was driving again, and you think, well, who knows? Maybe, maybe that script. Maybe we would have seen it already um, had had the situation not played out as as, uh, as 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 such a frightening way as it did um, with the Hamlin injury. But thankfully, obviously, he's there and improving. Um, and on this knockout stage, they were Cincinnati was every bit as great as um, they needed to be, and Buffalo just wasn't. I think you know. Um... You and I discuss this a lot. Just the uh, the immediate reaction and the big take that you have to have uh, in the the moment that just happened. I think anybody that thinks that like Josh Allen isn't in Joe Burrow's league or Justin Herbert's league or Patrick Mahomes' league, I think you guys are insane. Um, that's my my own take. I, I think Allen takes a lot of risks, um, and I think Burrow is definitely. I mean, Burrow was fabulous, and he's great. All of them are great. I take Allen in a heart beat though like if you told me you mixed them up and and I got Allen I'd be fine with it I think Buffalo had they were they were the most disappoint biggest disappointment for me too in part because I had them uh, and I really felt as strongly about them as I did Philadelphia I, I think I told you on Friday I think Philly's gonna roll and I think Buffalo's gonna roll um whatever uh I think they just had they had such an incredible season, right? They they lost that four, you know three hour and fifty minute classic against the Vikings. Then had the six feet of snow where they had to go play a game in Detroit and then stay there through Thanksgiving. And then they had the Hamlin event, and I think that took you know I mean the you're right. I mean McDermott and the whole the whole organization was great during the whole thing, um, and I was just disappointed because I thought that they looked flat. And that's an easy, cliche kind of thing. But they didn't have the level of urgency. They seemed to just not have um, that. Like, every time you watch Buffalo, you're like, God, they're so explosive. And then they're so aggressive on defense. And everybody's wide open. And and Mixon's going through the middle of their defensive front for eight, nine yards a carry. And even when when Cincinnati gets, you know, forced to punt, it's because a guy drops a pass. Um, I don't know. I, I just was disappointed, and, and but I can also kind of understand the journey that they've been on, and it, it had to, to have been exhausting. But I did not expect that That's, yesterday. It, it, I, I agree with that, and, and I, I don't imagine that they would uh, publicly say as much, but, but if, in a private moment, somebody from that group said, hey, man, <laughs> this year was a lot, you know, we go out and we get Von Miller, and he's going to be a difference maker. And then losing him, that was a, that was a big loss. Yeah. We didn't have a difference maker then, right? Good to, point. to get to the pasture, and and we had we had this craziness with you know we we had to leave for a couple of weeks, and it snows six feet, and then we almost lose our a, a teammate in front of us on the field, and then we had to try to you know maybe ride that adrenaline initially, but then if that adrenaline kind of runs out, or 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 maybe 
Cincinnati just went in and kicked their ass because Cincinnati's that good. I guess Cincinnati was in the Super Bowl last year. Oh, yeah, but and they Cincinnati but they should have been eliminated off. last week if not for Tyler Huntley, you know, trying to to, to to jump over the pile from a yard and a half out. Yeah, but that's but but that's football, and that's, I know that's that's the team that that, that should have won, should have lost to the in an eight nine game in, a, in the tournament, but somebody made a play, and then they then they roll from there. I mean, there's. You know, sports are littered with those moments where somehow you're, you you earn the right or you're gifted the right to continue competing, and then you know you, you do what what great teams do. Cincinnati's a great team; they, they haven't lost a football game since Halloween night in Cleveland. Is that and, right? Oh my god, you know, that's right, Jesus! Yeah, they could have lost some along the way. Since Halloween. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, Buffalo hadn't lost in a while, right? Weren't they on like a nine-game winning streak as well? Or am I thinking something else? Yeah, neither of them, neither of those teams had had uh, had lost in like I want to say Buffalo's was eight. I forget, yeah. uh, and I know Cleveland had lost since Halloween because we happened to come on after that game that night, and uh, Cincinnati hadn't lost rather since then. So, um, and then you got you know what the the Niners are on the longest win streak yeah. uh, going into the playoffs in NFC history. You know, only only now I guess the the. The Patriots undefeated season only only one longer going into a championship round. So I wonder if the Crazy. I wonder if the combined points in the point spread for these championship games two and a half and one. Philly's a two and a half point favorite for those that don't know, and Kansas City's one. So the three and a half aggregate total points in, in point spread it's got to be one of the lowest in history. I mean, th- these matchups are actually fabulous. I mean. I don't think there's any doubt you've got the two best teams in the NFC. And I think at this point, given what Cincinnati did at Buffalo, you've got the two best teams in the AFC. Mahomes' injury is a big deal. Um, But I can't, you know, I'm sure that somebody will say, no, remember we had a pick and a minus one five years ago or whatever. Um, Real quickly, because I do want to just chat quickly about the Maryland-Purdue game with you. Um, But Uh what's your first blush on both of these games? You've got, if you had to wager on both of them, uh, where do you go? Uh, on Monday at noon, as you and I talked, Cincinnati and uh, Philly. I think that I'm going to like Kansas City by the time we get there. So I'm going to say for now, Kansas I think, City. I think I probably will, too. Um, I think su- I probably will, too. Subject to change. Now, the Philly thing is I do kind of like Philly right now. But I'll tell you what, man, San Francisco may be one of the fastest defenses we've seen in football in a long time. And Philly has to be balanced. Um, And I I think it's going to be really interesting to see how effective they are running the football. But I'm going to go with the two home teams right now that we'll see Philly and Kansas City. That's what Stanford Steve said last night because we did the same thing. I said, "Who do you like? Just first, for just just fire." And he's like, "I think the home team." The, the, the thing about, and this is the thing, this is what you can't forecast. Uh, there's no GFS or Euro, no long range modeling that can be done uh-huh. to try to project the, the thing San Francisco is typically great at and has to probably be at least good at against Philly, and that's turnovers. Can you get short fields? Can you take the ball from, from Hertz in that Philadelphia offense? And at every level, from Bosa through Warner to Hufanga on the backside, like it just feels like there are dudes flying around the field. Um, and they're, 
a lot more of them than just the guys I said. I'm just trying to pick a guy in the line, a guy in linebacker. Yeah, guy back Ward and, 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 and Greenlaw, all of them. Keep yeah. going. There's, there's yeah. a zillion. They're, they're, they're everywhere. Just, they can all defense. run. All of them, and are and arrive with uh, bad intent, and so they. It feels like, and we had a stat on Sports Center. I think they're fifteen and zero in games where they've at least tied the turnover battle. Um, when they've won or or tied the turnover differential in a game, they've won the last fifteen times. It feels like if 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 they're plus again as they were against Dallas on Sunday, it feels like you know certainly they could go into Philadelphia and win. I'm just thinking that 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 Philly offense. Um, they take a, a great pride in, in, in running it on you. They had two, what, they have two seventy or something on the Giants yeah, on Sunday, right. uh, on Saturday rather. It was like some kind of. I mean, I mean, you got, it's not even Sanders. It's like no, wait, it was, is that 14, it was Gamewell. It was Boston it was Scott. It was everybody. Yeah, Gamewell, right? It's all of them. Doesn't matter. Sometimes who I think Gamewell uh, looks like the biggest threat when he has the ball. And it's almost like a Pollard Zeke thing. Although I think Sanders is super explosive and Zeke isn't anymore. But Gainwell, every single time he's got well, it in his hands, he looks like he's a threat. He's one of those guys from Memphis too. It's like Memphis has so many of these guys in the NFL. We've got one here in Antonio Gibson. Pollard, Pollard, too. Pollard too. Pollard right. too. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. No, I, I just. Look, we could talk around in circles about the games, and I might talk myself into a different side. You know, five different times between now and you know when you're giving out the smell test and we're giving out winners. And uh, I just, you couldn't ask for a whole lot more, I guess. If you, you know, unless you're a cowboy fan or a you know or a, a Bills fan, obviously. But we're neither of those things, so we can just you know settle in and be ready for. Four great teams playing next Sunday. All right, let's do 10 minutes on Maryland-Purdue right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Julian Reese had, uh, for Maryland, Juju, as he's known to Terp fans, had, I think, the game of his career yesterday. Uh, Before all the football started, Maryland was at number three Purdue. Purdue will probably be ranked number one um, when the rankings come out. You guys probably already know what they are already because Kansas and Houston lost in front of them. Um, But the Terps uh, ended up losing to Purdue 58-55. Reese, by the way, 19 points in the game against 
the player of the year um, in Zach Eady. He will more likely than not be the NCAA men's basketball player of the year. 7'4", 300 pounds, uh, great hands, great feet, just a dominant big man uh, in college basketball. Maryland was getting their ass kicked in the first half of this game. They were down by 14, and it felt like it should have been more at halftime and came out with, I thought, one of the best halves that they've had against a quality opponent um, over the last month and a half. And it was really upsetting that they didn't win the game. And I hate to be, you know, kind of silver lining here because I think they could have won the game. Um, And I'll get to the officiating in a moment, but I'll let you weigh in first. Maryland lost the game by three at Purdue. It seems like every Maryland-Purdue game since Maryland's joined the Big Ten has been like a one-to-three-point final score. It seems like that anyway. Um, What did you think of the Terps' effort in the second half against Purdue? It was fantastic. The fight was was what you want to see, and and – the beginning, it, it, it wasn't Michigan bad in, in Ann Arbor, but it, it was trending in that kind of direction. And it looked like it could be, you know, just another road blowout. But uh, there, was, there's, there was a resolve and a fight that uh, Maryland had uh, in that game that was, that was just what you want to see uh, from that group. And I think, it, you know, it's a reflection of Kevin Willard. And um, if they just hit a three in the last four minutes. Oh, one of them. Any just of them. One. Do they win? I don't know. I mean, if you put five more minutes in the clock, they could have, you know, they might not have covered. Who the hell knows? But it, they might have won, they might have won the game because they had Purdue reeling. They had a suffocating defensive effort. They were turning Purdue over. I mean, if I'm a scout, of, if, I'm, if I'm scouting Purdue, I'm going to pressure them as much as, as I can because uh, they didn't respond real well to it. Um, just a, a quick thing on Edie. Um, if, if, if they come to Maryland in the middle of February, if you go to the game, look at Edie's legs. Think back if, if you're, again, if you're old, you remember like a Ralph Sampson, a really tall person, but a very thin person. Yeah. With Buck, Buck Williams, Mark Fothergill could get into his lower trunk and cause problems. Edie's legs are enormous. He's just a giant man. And you put it well on Twitter that this was a really difficult game to officiate because Maryland, is, they're bodying them, trying to do what they can. But my God, is Purdue a physical team. They play great defense, but it felt like Maryland guys are getting knocked down all game long, and they're looking for an and one, and it just it wasn't coming. And Purdue fans feel like, and I know Matt Painter said as much, that he feels bad for Edie because he gets fouled every time. And it's, it's probably a lot like a Shaquille O'Neal. When you're that big, yeah, you undoubtedly get fouled more than, than the fouls are called. Um, but Maryland's defensive effort was such that it, it was getting them transition opportunities, which you're going to need because it's so hard to score against them in the half court. But again, they just couldn't hit the three to tie it. And they had a couple of fantastic clean looks late uh, that unfortunately didn't go. But again, that's a, that's a one seed. That's one of the very best environments in basketball. Kevin said after the game, he said, top four environment. Finch did, if you talk, you have him on again, ask him where the other ones are. Because um, he, he, he was just raving about the environment in Mackey. Um, okay. And, um, and somehow, uh, you know, they come up just slightly short, but they come home for three, and they've got Wisconsin Wednesday. Students are back. Need you out there, kids, youngsters. 
then it's Wisconsin, then a then a huge game with with Indiana, who's suddenly playing to the to the kind of ceiling that I think people thought they'd be. They they look like what what were they ranked like twelfth or thirteenth um, at the beginning. And of the I year. mean, is that the season? Kind of. I mean, you, then you go to Minnesota, so you got a four game chunk, and it's like at minimum you got to win three. Maybe you, if you could you win four, you do that, and now you solidify where you are. Big picture, but I'm not trying to take the conversation away from just the Purdue game. But um, I think I think it bodes well for for you know for this coming stretch because if you play you play like that, you're going to win some of these games. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, what's ahead is what's ahead. I mean, they, they they're going to have to win some games here, and the schedule kind of lightens sure. up. It's just amazing to me. Like you know, I think I may have said this to you a couple of weeks ago. I I think now, like basketball wise. I'm okay being a Big Ten guy. I kind of feel like a Big Ten guy. I think we've been in the league. We're coming. Is this our ninth year in the league? Eighth year, ninth year, whatever really it is. Um, and I really kind of understand the league, and it really is different than a lot of leagues. It's so different. It's so hard to score in the Big Ten in the half court, um, and yet there aren't only uh, there aren't many teams that are able to run because teams are so well coached and they get back and they uh, whatever. Um, but I'll tell you what, Scott, I was so pissed yesterday watching this game because you're right, Zach Eady probably gets fouled a lot more than you know is, is called, although everybody for Maryland was in foul trouble immediately in the first half. I think we had 16 fouls, and most of them were against Eady um, in the first 10 minutes of the game. Um, but I don't know how the – um, they missed as much as they missed. I mean, Jameer Young had an N1 that was called on the floor that's one of the worst uh, things I've ever seen. Hakeem Hart got knocked down by Edie on a made shot that should have been an N1. There's an out-of-bounds play that's clearly out-of-bounds on Purdue, and they gave it to Purdue anyway. There's a flagrant, or should have been a flagrant, on Edie on an elbow against Dante Scott, and they called Dante Scott for being in the circle, his foot on the circle, on a play that wasn't block charge. It was an offensive rebound. Like, they got so mixed up, and I understand that this was a crazy game that got a little bit overly physical, like a lot of Big Ten games do, but I'm telling you, is it me or is Mackey the place where I feel like since we've come into the league, there's always a bad whistle in that building? And I've heard, you've been there, right? You've been to Mackey, right? Uh, Have you? You have. I have. No, no, I've never been. I've no, never you went been to Illinois. Purdue. You were in Illinois for that big Friday night game. I was Correct. thinking, yeah. Um, and I, I've heard it's one of the best environments in the country, um, but I think we've gotten housed and screwed more there than in, than any other place in this new league that we're in. Well, I, I, that, that, Dante Scott last year goes Dante goes baseline last year and absolutely gets fouled by Travion yeah, Williams in a and game that we would have won. I believe the thing. Well, they're down by one. Yeah. He goes baseline, and I believe that I think that there was like some sort of an apology after the fact. I could be inventing this. This could be some internet lore. Was like, yeah, well, the Big Ten apologized, or maybe they did. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Let's say it I, happened. I I, 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 I don't like complaining about officiating. We do it. It feels anyway. like lowest common denominator, and it feels like look, win the game. But I, I, I do, I do think that yesterday was one of those games where. I think Purdue fans are, are frustrated because they feel like Edie gets fouled a lot. And I know Maryland fans are frustrated because of the sequence of things that you described. I mean, the ball bounced. Hakeem had a breakout. The ball got blocked. It bounces out of bounds, and their guy caught it standing out of bounds. Yeah, Like, he was out of bounds when he caught the ball. 
Yeah. It wasn't out yet. He's standing out of bounds and caught it. That's Maryland ball. And the guy's standing right there, and he points to Purdue, and I'm like, what are you, are you, are you, what? I thought he was and just confused for a moment and that they would come in and correct it. That's but what I thought. Yeah. I thought oh, somebody's going to come in and correct it. No, 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 no. Well, although it did, that Maryland, it went off, it went off Dante Scott once, and the guy ran in and pointed Maryland's way, and then someone came in and corrected of it the other way. Of course they did that That's way. after they reviewed yeah. a flagrant, which somehow turned into a foul on Maryland. I'm like, what the fuck is this? What are we doing? <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to say F-bombs. Maybe just beat yeah. me. No, you can't. Um, but, I mean, I, I, it was, it was, it was exasperating watching it because you're thinking the N one on a breakout. No, no, it's on the floor. <laughs> it, 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 and again, Edie gets fouled a lot. He also is allowed to stand in the paint for about it, nine it, seconds. Yeah. Um, it was, it's just, and, and again, I, I'm sure that Purdue fans felt like there were calls that could have been given to Edie because he's so big and he probably gets fouled every time. No doubt. Uh, it was the kind of game where, uh, the officiating certainly was a topic of conversation. It certainly felt like the the whistle there was tough for for the road team. Uh, I I think the Cole Center in Wisconsin. I jokingly tell my Wisconsin friends, and I have many, that that Cole is uh, Big Ten Cameron. Um, you you go up there and you just you just know the whistle is going to be tough. And um, I think Purdue and Wisconsin fans are are of the belief that their their players have never fouled anyone. Because uh, when the whistle goes against them, they always react with with abject. Well, we do the same. Horror. We do the same thing. We do the same thing. No question. Yeah. No, no, but we're but we but we punctuate it with horrific language. So we're, we've got that East Coast. <laughs> we're not Midwest. Who we are. We're not Midwest I'm not kind. Painting, I'm not painting us. As, I'm not painting us as saints over here. Please, please hear me. Um, so. It, Purdue's awesome. You and I both love Painter. I, we both think Edie's the player of the year. And so it was the kind of game where if you, if you could have hit one of those threes and could have gotten out of there somehow the way Rutgers did, winning by one as opposed to losing by three, it would have felt like such a massive victory because it would have been. Yeah. But again, I do still think that whatever your complaints were, um, be they officiating or God, man, what would what, what two for twenty one or something from three? It's like three for twenty one. There's still three. I, that's not great. We're, um, well, we're not, not a great. we're but, not a very good three point shooting team. I think um, what's his face who was calling the game? Yeah. Um, uh, oh God, I'm blanking. Bardo. Uh, Bardo. Uh, Stephen Bardo said that at one point he said Maryland's two hundred ninety fourth in in three point uh, uh, percentage. Uh, offensively, uh, I think they're 337 D1 t- teams. That's that's not good. And they were three for 21, and they had some open looks. I mean, Kerry had a wide open look to tie it. I mean, he t- hit nothing on that shot. Um, that may have been. I forget whether the Jameer, the Jameer three off the. There was a rebound where it got and kicked, it kicked back, back out. out. I, I thought that was the one. I know because that's as clean a look as you're going to get. Because Purdue sort of going, you know, they're 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 in the paint to try to get a rebound, and now you've got that clean look. But I mean. Again, Young didn't have a great shooting start, but he's impacting the game when transition defense. I mean, it was. Uh, it, you, it was <laughs> you know who texted me last lost, night? So he, you know who texted me last night? He, Buck texted me last night. Everybody understands. I think most of you know Steve Buckhantz, who. Um, he was actually a referee for many, many years in the Urban Coalition League. I mean, so Buck, for all those years doing Wizards and Bullets games, was always very much into the, uh, into the officiating. And when I put out that tweet about the officiating, he texted me and he said, 
Jesus Christ, not you too. I watched the game. All three are veteran officials and made as many calls for Maryland as they did for Purdue. Go watch it objectively. And I said two to one. I said two to one uh, Purdue call, Purdue whistle to Maryland whistle. It's always that way at Mackey. And I I sent him a picture of the ball out of bounds, uh, inbounds when they gave it to Purdue. And he said, and he said, yeah, they missed that one. And then I said, how do you call a, (laughs) how do you call a, 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 a foul on Dante Scott because it's foots on the circle on an offensive rebound where the elbow swings and hits him in the head. That's not a block charge. That they, they got confused on that one too. They just got confused a lot yesterday during the game. Whatever. A lot of people are listening and they're like, God, you Maryland fans, you complain about officiating. It's true. We do. Um, and too much. And by the way, that's the second time this year that the officiating has cost Maryland a game against Purdue because they should have that the extra point um, offsides that wasn't called on the blocked extra point in the <laughs> Purdue game. That was terrible. Um, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I was I, I was I proud of the way they defended and got back into that game because they went away meekly against Michigan in the first one. UCLA, they were exhausted, but they've been really hammered a couple of times. And I thought we were on our way to another, you know, seventy-two to forty-seven final at halftime. I really did. I, I'm shocked. That's not, but, no, but 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 it's not. Uh, they they fought. And, and, you know, is it loser talk to say moral victory? Because, no, I don't think either one of us stand moral victory. I think you could be proud that you play an excellent team in an incredible environment, and you're there with a chance in the end. Um, uh, and whatever, man. Like, it's uh, – Reese was really good. Four games, the, next, the, next four, the next four games, just, you know, f- figure out how to win them all. You know, start starts with Wisconsin at home uh, on Wednesday, and, um, you know, you see where you go from there. But uh, – it, it is weird how often the Maryland games, in particularly in Mackey, but actually in, at, at home as well, have been these these uh, really close, really tense, taut things. Um, and no, it's, I like I said, I I, I love Painter, and, and I've always kind of liked Purdue. I feel like Purdue and Maryland are sort of they're sort of on similar planes, where you know you, you're not the biggest brand necessarily, and you 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 know. Maybe there are other people that are the sexier names or this or that, the other thing. But uh, I'd love, I'd love to see them win a title someday. I'd love it for, I I'd love it for them. I'd love it. I'd love it for Matt. Um, I just would have loved it if Maryland had fifty-nine points at the end of yesterday's game. Yeah, and they, and they had fifty-eight because it was, it was there. It was, it was, it was really close, despite all of the game. You know, all of the stuff that went on. That again, I know they, I know they felt like you know. They could have gotten more calls too, and you know, interesting that Buck, a guy that's more objective, felt like it was uh, it was bad both ways. I I don't know that crew sort of struggles. I'll just put it that way. Yeah, they struggled yesterday. Um, do you feel the same? By the way, I, you know, I feel the same way. I've loved Matt Painter for years, and I I've I've always rooted for Purdue, even when we were in the ACC. Um, and they had Robbie Hummel in some of those teams. I always watch them, and I'm like, God, they do such a good job. And they've always kind of come up short. You know, Hummel had the t- uh, torn ACL that year. And last year, you know, losing – they lost to St. Peter's, didn't they? Was it St. Peter's that beat him in the tournament? They did. Yeah. They did. Um, they did. With, uh, with Jaden Ivey. Like, look, that's the thing. They look – Think about what they lose. They lose. They lose the like. Wouldn't, wouldn't Ivy the Big Ten Player of the Year? He's a lottery pick. Yeah, and, and, I think and so. they're number one in the country. I yeah, mean, that's 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 saying it. But uh, that's 
just shows yeah. you what kind of a what kind of thing there are similarities going, so. though. Uh-huh. I mean, football wise and basketball wise, like Purdue's always been a basketball brand, but not at the, the you know the at the a super higher uh, you know we've won a national championship. They haven't. Well, maybe they have. I don't know. I'm talking about in the the last fifty years. Um, all right. Uh, but, oh, I, what I was going to ask you is. Do you kind of feel like I, I, I told Naki this recently. I just said, I, I now don't, I don't, I don't watch ACC games. I don't care about what happens in the ACC. I don't even know any ACC teams or players, but I watch the Big Ten Network all the time. I watched Indiana and Michigan State yesterday early, and it's, it, it is finally, it's my league. You know, basketball, basketball yeah, wise. Yeah, that's really interesting. And yes, I watch a ton of Big Ten, and um, partly because, mostly, I guess it's because that's the league that Maryland's in. And so you're, you know, you're wa- you're watching the teams that you're playing coming up. You're watching the teams that you just played to see sort of what, like, you know, was the result in, in the Maryland game? Is that sort of how they're trending? You know what I'm saying? Like, you just you're just trying to figure out trying to extrapolate meaning from from other games based on what happened in the games against Maryland. And, and it makes, so it just makes more sense to watch that league. But the bigger thing for me as it relates to the ACC is just, and I said this long ago when Maryland left that I league. I know you did. People are, and I'm sure they still ask you this the same way they ask me, hey, do you miss the ACC? And I'm like, do I miss the, do I miss Thacker and Packer and Bones McKinney and Sale with the Pilot? Of course I do. I miss Tobacco Road. I miss all of that. But that was 1977, man. Like, I don't miss. Well, I don't I, miss the league with Louisville, Pittsburgh, Syracuse, right. Boston College. I mean, Miami and Florida. That's a Big East. Okay, that's what that is. That's a, it's a Big East ACC orgy, and I don't miss that league because it's not the league I grew up with. And so now, I feel most nights like that's what you're talking about. You're talking about Virginia Tech's playing Carolina, or Syracuse is at um, State. And, or Louisville's having a really, really difficult year this year. Yeah. Um, I've watched some. I watched when Clemson played Duke because uh, Clemson got off to this great start and they're, they're having a really nice year. But the amount of time that I would absolutely make sure I didn't miss a Carolina you know, State game or something right. like that, it, I, no, I just don't. I don't make it a point to pay attention in terms of being sitting there watching games the way I we used to consume it. And and I definitely do, to your point, watching, you know, Michigan State at Indiana all yesterday. And, you know, had that been Carolina Clemson would I have watched? I don't know. Uh, but I definitely was watching watching IU and, and Michigan State. Yeah, I think That's the, so weird. It is weird because we never we didn't think that would be the case. And the Thacker Packer Bones no. McKinney what? What's no? No, I'm saying no. It's not. The yeah, thing. yeah. We didn't think we would. No, no. I, I mean, up we until were, we were very, we were protesting. Up and up until recently, I was like, this still stinks. I mean, you know, using your phrase, referring to this tractor league that we're now in. But I'll tell you what, this tractor league, <laughs> this tractor league is yeah. one hell of a basketball league, and it has been for the years that we've been in it. Top to bottom, the venues. You know, um, I, I remember one of the f- first. It may have been the first year we were in the Big Ten, and Dockich came on my show 
like the, you know, the the Monday after calling a Maryland game in College Park, and he was raving about the Maryland crowd and how it was such an unbelievable environment and the whole thing. And wow, I mean, you know, because the Big Ten, I mean, Maryland's not going to, I mean, they're going to be going to some other environments just like this one. And I had him on the show the next day, and I remember saying to him, dude, you do know that we were in the ACC. Like, we played in Cameron Indoor every year. We played in, in a place called Little John. When when Clemson's good, it's really tough. But here's the truth. The Big Ten has better home court environments throughout the league than the ACC ever did. Well, ever did. Well, more of them. More of more them. More of them. More of them. Illinois is awesome. Indiana's awesome. Purdue's awesome. Michigan State's awesome. I haven't been to Michigan. I think it's smaller, but it can it can be can be really good. I'm probably forgetting people. R- Rutgers, they're screaming the rack. I know it's not called the rack anymore, but people still call it the rack. The rack's awesome. Um, Wisconsin's tremendous. Maryland, when it's good, is as good as any. I mean, and I could just you could keep going. Nebraska's so good. Nebraska packs the house they, for every one yeah, of their games. Right. That's it. You know, it's, Ask Willard about that. He'll say it's like a pro arena, and it's they're the only game in town. Minnesota, um, the barn. It, it is. Well, sure. I just I didn't name them this year because yeah. they're they're having a really difficult right. year. But uh, regardless, they're they're great venues in the league. Just one last thing though to circle about. It's a good league. This and that. It's just funny. You're you're Big Ten Kevin. You're you're like propaganda game. Uh, the thing that the, where the league where has yeah. where has the league struggled. In the tournament. When they get to the tournament. Yeah. Why do they struggle when they get to the tournament? I think in part because of days like yesterday where games are officiated like that and you get to the tournament and then you're you're looking for fouls that have, you've been getting throughout the year. Or, conversely, you're playing like it's third and third and three That's and you're trying to gain is. a yard and, and suddenly you're not allowed to play as physically as you played That's in the half court all year. Now all of a sudden... Now all of a sudden you've got two guys with two fouls, and if you're one of those coaches that automatically sits, now all of a sudden you got guys on the bench, and then the next thing you know you're in a you're in a tight game with a 13 seed, and you're looking around going, how'd this happen? Well, because from December until February you were allowed to maul each other, and now you're not. And so I, I that I think that the league hurts itself with how the how games are officiated in league versus how they're officiated in tournaments. Yeah, and I think the other, I think that's it. By the way, um, the conversely part that you're you're mauling each other all year, and you're barely getting into the one and one with about three minutes to go in the game in the half, and then all of a sudden the other team's shooting with 13 minutes to go in the first half because they're calling everything. And I think the other thing is this league, you know, has a lot of half court. 58, 57, 64, 63 kind of games. And sometimes you're not used to these teams that are going to start jacking up threes and trying to get out and transition. And, and um, yeah, I mean, you're, sometimes you, you're, you're not scoring enough is the net of it. Um, well, but anyway. Yeah, but I just I, – I love I – love... I love Big Ten Kevin's well, propaganda web flag waver over here. I, I, you are obstinate. You uh, you are never going to be that never. guy. Now you are. Well, the one thing that is missing, though, and I think you and I would both, uh, I think you'd agree with me on this. The one thing that's missing that I miss dearly is a rival. We don't have a rival in the Big Ten, and that kind of thing takes a long time, and it'll probably be younger generations that will benefit from some big rivalry that develops 
Um, so I still miss that. I still miss, you know, we have not, no we've not been in that building as great as that building can be. It still never has matched what it was for Duke or what it could be for Carolina on a big night in February or March. I mean, it just, it, that, that same I would, I would, bloodthirst isn't there. I, I agree. Look, do, do as we know, but I, I said this to Jerome Tang the other day, the head coach from Kansas State, when he joined me after they beat Kansas. He is imploring that fan base to make it about us and not them. Like, be, be here and be passionate because you love Kansas State, not because you hate Kansas. And I said to him, I said, you don't know this about me, but I'm a Maryland guy, and there was there's part of that level of, of rage that is counterproductive, and it, it, it blots out the sun, and it doesn't serve you well. Um, to have that level of just <laughs> must be Duke because you put all your eggs in that basket and then you lose. Well, then now what? And it's, you, you've spent so much energy, even though, we, as we know, at, at its peak, that rivalry was as good as bas- college basketball gets. At least that's how you and I saw it. And I think a lot of Maryland people, and by the way, a lot of Duke people. Yep. Um, but having said, as great as that, as great as it was, I remember vividly when Wisconsin came in with, Kam- with Kaminsky and Decker, final four year from them, Maryland had Dez among others, and Maryland beat him. And Kaminsky, who I know, I think I've said this on your on this pod, he told me after the fact, best best environment I was in my entire time at Wisconsin, hands down, was Maryland when we when we came in there and Maryland beat us, hands down. And building was was out of its mind that night. But I do sure was there a different level for Duke? Yeah, but that was there was a lot of years. <laughs> that was cooked into all of that. So will, will anything ever feel like that? Maybe not uh, for old timers like us, but I mean, uh, you know, it'd be nice. It'd be nice. If the students are there and the buildings filled for a Wednesday game. I don't want to hear complaints about a seven o'clock start. I don't want to hear complaints that it's raining. We got excuses for fucking everything. <laughs> You're gonna. It's Sunday. Oh, it's Sunday, man. It's bad. The NFL, people like the Ravens. Oh, man, it's Wednesday. It's too early. Oh, man, it's raining. Oh, man, it's late, man. People got school. Shut up and go to the game. How about that? Yeah, but we want to yeah. talk about what we. Seriously, with our, everyone complains about everything. Be, be the great fans we think we are, and just I know it's hard to get there on the Beltway. I we're, I live here now, um, but it'd be great if they had a great building. How about that? I know, but I've told you since you've moved back, this is just this is a different town now. It's a different market. It's a pro market. Um, What's that mean? Uh, it just it when, what that it's a pro market or a different market. A buddy of mine went. He, he drove out there the other day. He's like, there was no traffic because it was bad weather. He said, there was no traffic. Breeze right out there. For well, the that's game. that's absurd because that was Maryland's one chance to was one, Maryland's one chance to you know to go up against this, the big bad bully number one. And you know the, 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 the game starts and it's there were two thousand people in the building. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Well, thankfully it got better. Yeah, but yeah, but, but that that's because yeah. it was a seven o'clock start. And if your buddy said there was no traffic, I, I know that. I, I, there, I know that there, but was, there was no traffic, according to my friend. Oh, who drove right out there. Who, who, who drove? Kind of, who was your friend who drove out there that said there was no traffic? Uh, it was Chief. Chief said that there was no traffic going out there at seven o'clock on a Thursday night. I I don't believe he said that. he breezed out there. He said he, he said I mean no traffic. How, maybe it's a, how it's, did he say? How did he tell you? Yeah. I'm, no one knows. I'm not doing Chief. It's very. It's for, Six people <laughs> to the podcast. I know. Um, so uh, all I'm saying is that 
I've, I've told you this for a while, 7 o'clock weeknights, unless it is a massive opponent and Maryland. Here's the, here's the bi- best way you can fix all of this and end up with no excuses. Win. Win, but not just win. Be like you were, like the year that we had Diamond Stone and we were ranked number two in the country, ranked you know, pretty much in the top ten all year. The year with, with Sticks and Wiggins and Morcel and Cowan when we were ranked pretty much in the top ten, top 15 all year and you're playing these heavyweight mac, uh, matchups during the regular season, people will get there. The 7 o'clock games are going to be a little bit lightly attended in the first half, and then it'll fill up for the second half. But that's what – look, you and I went to the Illinois game when we were ranked 13th in the country, undefeated, and it was a Friday night 9 o'clock start. That's like the perfect thing. Um, and they were, you know, high, and they were highly ranked, and that's why the the building was what it was. We're not driving from, you know, Elm Street uh, to, uh, to 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 Main Street in, in West Lafayette, Indiana. It's it's just it's a di- different not. animal. Of course not. Yeah. I, of course. Look, I know that. I'm just saying. Look, you, I, you and I are part of this passionate fan base, and we see ourselves a certain way. And when Maryland wanted more. And they, they, we we got to have more than what we've had because this isn't good enough. I'm like, okay, well then let's do our part, and let's be the fan base that we act like we are. When we say Maryland's a top blank job, well, why is that? Well, because of recruiting, because of resources, because of what? What's the, well because of the passionate fan base. Well, then be the passionate fan base and show up. And, and that's all I'm saying. Yeah, I know. So I understand it's a beltway, and I know we don't live in West Lafayette. I get it. Of course, that I, I understand all of that. I'm just saying. It frustrates me when our fans want and want and want and complain, complain, complain. Well, then do your part and go to games. That's all. It doesn't seem like a bridge too far. <laughs> I'm looking at some of the home games. That I'm not are asking anyone to donate. Cause this is, this yeah. is where there's a disconnect. People think that they, they've taken, they misconstrued my words in the past and acted like if you don't donate, you're not allowed to complain. That's, I, that's not what I ever said. No. But you can buy a $20 ticket or a $40 ticket, or whatever it is, and go out there and support the team because it will help them win the games that make you and me and Sheehan and everybody else happy. You can actually help. You just said Sheehan. By going. As if you were talking, weren't talking to Sheehan. No, you. I'm saying me and you. Sheehan, yeah, me and Sheehan. Yeah, yeah. People out there oh. listening. No, no, it's Sunday, 1 o'clock, man, NFL. No, it's Wednesday, man. It's raining. It's raining? Are you shitting me? It's raining. By the way, there's you some... You can't go because it's raining? There's some breaking I can't, news. I can't listen to this. I know. There's some breaking I news. I can't though. listen to this. Jeff Bezos, according to... what? Hold on. I got a li- I, this is breaking news, and you're here. It's so good to have you as this news is breaking. Um, there is news out there that Jeff Bezos is going to sell the Washington Post so that he can buy the Washington Commanders. Um, really? Yeah, let's. That does not absolve fans from not going to Maryland games if the Ravens <laughs> no, go to doesn't. games. Right, um, you're probably going to scrap this whole podcast. No, no. wasted an hour of no, my no, life, and you're going to no, 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 call I'm, I'm, I'm getting it out because I have to take my dog to the vet. I have to take my favorite thing in my in my life right now to the vet. She hurt her hip. Um, is she okay? Yeah, she's just limping around. So I got to take her to. Uh, I got to take her to the vet this afternoon because Kara's up in New Jersey okay. with her father. Okay, uh, you know what? This Go was Terps. this Go was a lot. Of, by the way, you want to tell everybody how long I told you I'd have you on for? Fifteen minutes. <laughs> and what did you say? Listen, I said it's never fifteen minutes. It's always an hour. This time it's an hour and a half. Look, I don't care. 
you know, dear friend. <laughs> is it, I, is, I it, is, it is it really? I, I could have just said no. Is it an hour and a half? I could have dodged your text, but I'm. Yeah, we've been. T- oh yeah, you just go and go and go. You I know. No, you have no self awareness. I don't have any self. Actually, I do have self awareness, but when it comes to this podcast, I really, when it's good, and you are excellent. Uh, you know, I, 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 you're you're not available to me all the time. People say, always ask me, why don't you have Van Pelt on the show every week like you used to? Because for many years, you came on the radio show as a weekly hit. You did so, by the way, without ever yeah, getting you paid. You said you're going to pay me, and you never did. No, 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 that's not true. That's not true. We did pay you briefly, and then they stopped paying everybody like literally a month after we said we'd pay you. Um, but you always, well, you always I didn't came want the on. Money. I didn't, I didn't want that. I know you did. Do it for free. I know you didn't. I know, but yeah. but you don't do that anymore because my radio show is from six to nine a.m. and you're getting home as I am starting most days. And same with the pod. Right. You're we usually. Gotta, we got to get you out of that late night. I got to get out of the late night space. You got to get out of the morning space. Okay. We got to just, we got to just shut her down. I, live, live a life of leisure. Um, I got to go do this Bezos story now. I'll talk to you later. Okie doke. Thank you. Scott Van Pelt, everybody. Yep, I'll get to this breaking news next. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com. All right, this final segment of the show, we're just going to focus on this piece of kind of breaking news, I guess. It comes from the New York Post about Jeff Bezos uh, potentially selling the Post as a way to clear 
the way towards a purchase of the Washington Commanders. But this last segment of the show is brought to you by MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.ag, use my promo code KevinDC, and they'll double your first deposit. If something's already written in that promo code, erase it, write KevinDC to get the deposit uh, bonus. All right. Uh, my bookie right now, by the way, has Philly at two and a half and has Kansas City minus one for the championship games. Mybookie.ag, Kevin DC is the promo code. So uh, the story, um, sometimes I would move this to the front of the podcast, um, but um, we don't need to do that. Um, this is a New York Post story titled, Jeff Bezos May Sell Washington Post to Buy Commanders, Investors Say. The investors that apparently are suggesting this are um, potential buyers of the Washington Post. Apparently, there was a town hall meeting with the publisher of the Post, Fred Ryan, disclosing layoff plans at the Post. This was recently. Um, I didn't know that. Um uh, right now, uh, Bezos, um, a spokesperson said the post is not for sale. I guess my question would be, would this really be necessary for Bezos to buy the commanders? Would it be some sort of gesture of goodwill towards Dan that would make Dan change his mind if his mind is already made up not to sell it to Bezos to say, oh, okay, you don't own the post anymore, but you did own it when all those stories were written. I don't know about that. Um, I the the league are they going to have an issue with him owning the post and then owning an NFL team? I don't think so. He's already a league partner with Amazon. We've already had publishers, um, owners be publishers as well and be media conglomerates and own sports teams. I don't think that's nearly the so-called conflict of interest that perhaps it once was. Uh, the only thing that's written in here after reading it is that he really does want to own an NFL team. And if, you know, if for whatever reason, Dan Snyder has already said in his, you know, typical petty way, just like I'm not trading Kirk Cousins to the Shanahan's for a, the number two overall pick, um, or, uh, I'm not selling my team even if it's for a billion dollars more to Jeff Bezos because he owns the Post. I don't know. Would it really change his mind if Bezos sold the Post? Um, stay tuned, I guess. My my initial reaction is that I can't imagine that that if Snyder's reluctance to sell the team to Bezos is because Bezos owns the Post, that somehow Bezos selling the Post is somehow going to make Dan forget that Bezos owned the Post when all of those stories were written, which, you know, Dan and, you know, perhaps Tanya and others believe that they were like a victim of some sort of, uh, you know, personal vendetta against the team and against him. Uh, Bezos, if he really wants a football team, certainly could outbid everybody else. There is also the possibility, I would just remind everybody, that a Washington sale, especially a sale in excess of $6 billion, and let's call it closer to seven, or you know, split the middle, $6.5 billion, may have other owners putting their franchise up for sale, their franchises up for sale as well. Like there is the possibility of Seattle uh, with 
um, the widow of Paul Allen potentially selling that team. David Tepper may want to flip the Panthers at some point. Um, there may be another you know team or two as well. There may be more opportunities for Bezos than the headache of potentially the Washington Commanders and a sale involving um, you know uh, working you know in a deal with Dan Snyder. Anyway, that's the breaking news of the day. There you go. Um, back tomorrow with Tommy. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.